0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, um Melchior, Van Fantasy Baseball.
0: Welcome everybody to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host Al Melchior, and uh, we got a lot to get to right away. Uh, fortunately, if you're a Mets fan, a lot of it not such great news for the Mets. But uh, good news is we've got a great guest on in just a little while, Emily Walden from 2080 Baseball. Uh, she'll be here to answer your Tigers questions and talk about uh, Tigers prospects and some of the things going on with the big league roster as well in Detroit. So uh, we'll be having Emily on just a little bit later on in the program. But for starters, uh, the Mets right now uh, they are down six to three versus the Braves uh, over at City Field. But in this game. Uh, Joana Cespedes has left with the pulled left hamstring. And also Matt Harvey has started this game because uh, Noah Syndergaard was scratched with biceps tendinitis. So... Not a whole lot of good news right now uh, for the Mets uh, on Thursday. And Harvey is actually already out of this game. He made it four and one-thirds innings, gave up five hits, uh, six runs, all earned. Five blocks, just one strikeout. Uh, so uh, we'll move on to, uh, to some happier news here. Um, but, uh, well, here's some good news. If you've been stashing Julio Urias, uh, he is going to start today. He's been called up. We'll start today at the Giants, opposing Matt Moore. Devin Masarocco, his long-awaited return, coming off the DL today, uh, returning from uh, recoveries from hip and shoulder surgeries. So some good news there. Um, also an in injury news, Eric Thames left Wednesday's game with the uh, for the Brewers with a tight hamstring. But however, manager Craig Council says it's, quote, not a big deal, end quote. So uh, hopefully we'll see Eric Thames back soon. Dakota Glover went on the DL on Wednesday with a left hip impingement. Uh, Sean Kelly, of course, there named the closer uh, for the Nationals last week by Dusty Baker. But uh, Glover actually got back-to-back saves over the weekend because Kelly had uh, pitched in three out of the four previous games. So uh, the closer role is certainly, if you had any doubt about it, definitely belongs to Sean Kelly now. uh, But it will be interesting to see who Baker might turn to if uh, Kelly has to pitch in a bunch of games like he did uh, last week. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, according to Gregor Chisholm from uh, MLB.com, Aaron Sanchez is scheduled to throw a bullpen session on Friday. and if all goes well, he will start Saturday, or I'm sorry Sunday rather, versus the Tampa Bay Rays. There is still no timeline however for the return of Jay Happ. So that Blue Jay's rotation uh, slowly but surely uh, becoming whole again. Uh, Sean Manaya thinks it's possible that he will make his left his next start. He left uh, Wednesday's start versus the Angels after just two innings with shoulder tightness. So uh, Manaya apparently not a, a serious injury. And this is an issue he's had with his shoulder before, apparently. And uh, it's not been a big deal. But that one, too, is one that we will need to keep an eye on. Uh, the Diamondbacks' uh Uh, Sorry, Brandon Drury. He is day-to-day after leaving last night's game with a jammed right knee. Kyle Seeger is back in the lineup for the Mariners today uh, at the Tigers. So uh, good news there for Kyle Seeger and for his fantasy owners. Jose Iglesias back from the 7-day concussion DL. So you may recall that he was involved in that really uh, ugly play where he got uh, took a knee to the head uh, after throwing the ball away. And uh, it was a uh, Francisco Rodriguez-blown save. So good to see Jose Iglesias back uh, in the lineup. So he, in fact, is in the lineup in that same game with Kyle Seager, uh, Mariners, and Tigers. According to David O'Brien of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution... Brandon Phillips is just uh, day-to-day with uh, the groin strain that had him removed early from Wednesday's game. Uh, the Braves hope to have him back uh, for this weekend, which is obviously just right around the corner. So uh, some positive news there uh, for Brandon Phillips. So it's just to take a quick look in, uh, we've got some games in progress. As I mentioned, Braves leading the Mets still 5-3. to three. Marlins have scored a run now, uh, so that was 2 nothing Phillies. It's 2-1 to Phillies. Uh, Hellickson has been pitching a nice game there. We've mentioned the uh, Tigers and the Mariners in Detroit. That one is scoreless, but again, featuring Kyle Seeger and Jose Iglesias in those respective lineups. And the Blue Jays uh, off to a one nothing lead in the bottom of the fifth uh, against the Cardinals. Uh, in terms of weather for today's game, we, games we've got a few that... Uh, Have some uh, questionable weather if you're looking at players for uh, daily leagues or uh, DFS. Nationals at Rockies, there's a 49% chance of precipitation. Uh, And actually of the games coming up later today, that's probably the one with the biggest threat. Um, Actually, 46% chance of rain or precipitation uh, in Cleveland for the game against the Astros. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And uh, a little bit later on the show, I'm going to be joined by Emily Walden from 2080 Baseball. And we're going to talk a whole lot of Tigers. So uh, we got some Twitter questions from you regarding the Tigers. We'll be getting to those. But first... A word about the Fantasy, Spor- uh, Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play right now and listen for free anytime. Anywhere You can hear Tony Sincotta on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the King on the couch or Jake Seeley while you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fancy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. Alrighty, so um, also what you can take with you is a little bit of knowledge about today's lineups. We talked a little bit earlier in the first segment about the Mariners and Tigers game, which is uh, just getting underway. And in uh, that lineup, uh, as we mentioned, Jose Iglesias, he's batting ninth back from the concussion DL. Uh, Kyle Seeger back from his hip injury. He's batting fifth. And some interesting lineups, really, on both sides here. It's Hisashi uh, Iwakuma and Justin Verlander. But we've got Ben Gamble just called up from A Tacoma. He's batting sixth and playing in right field. Uh, and there's been a little bit of shifting around there with Gerard Dyson going to center field because of the uh, Mitch Haniger injury. So uh, with Haniger out for a while, we've got Becky, Ben Gamble getting a chance to uh, uh, stake his claim to a spot in the Mariners' uh, batting order. And Taylor Motter, uh, I know on a show uh, earlier this week, uh, we had discussed whether or not Taylor Motter could play some first base. Well, there he is, batting second and starting at first uh, for the Mariners against the Tigers today. Um and just uh, looking at some of the other games uh, coming up, the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, has been dropped to eighth in the lineup. Uh, but he is in the lineup against lefty Matt Moore. So in case you were wondering if Bellinger was going to play against uh, lefties, there he is. And the Astros lineup actually, as we're, as I was just talking here, just came through. No George Springer in the lineup. Uh, so got an outfield of Tony Kemp in left, Josh Reddick in center, and Nori Aoki in in right, and Evan Gaddis behind the dish. So uh, that's our uh, check-in with lineups for right now. Let's uh, take a look at some of the news, uh, or I shouldn't say some of the news, but rather some of the newsworthy performances from Wednesday's games uh, by some of the starting pitchers. Uh, so I think there had to be no more noteworthy newsworthy performance than Alex Wood, who toyed with a no-hitter. Uh, Made it six innings with just allowing one hit, and then unfortunately the bullpen could not uh, hold the lead for the Dodgers, but uh, one hit, no runs, uh, just one walk for Alex Wood and 5K, so nice start there. Uh, I was very sad that I did not start him this week because I thought with the rumored call-up of Jose Urias, which we just talked about in the last segment, that Wood might not start. But uh, as it is, uh, Wood did make the start and made a a fantastic start, Uh, I have to say the best start, on the slate uh, for Wednesday. And speaking of that Dodgers rotation, by the way, uh, another news item, Rich Hill, uh, I know that we discussed this in an earlier show, but Dave Roberts, again, talked about the possibility of Rich Hill coming back as a reliever. So not great for your Rich Hill owners, but uh, for you Wood and Urias owner owners, uh, that is some good news. So great start by Alex Wood. Uh, Luis Severino. Uh, seven innings pitched, no runs across. Uh, so Severino handed off a 3 nothing lead to the bullpen. And uh, Aroldis Chapman struggled in the ninth, but the, the Yankees did come away with the win. Uh, just three hits allowed by Luis Severino. No runs allowed. As I mentioned, two walks, six strikeouts. That was at Boston. And now Severino is up to a 2-1 record with a 3 ERA. So after a spring, that was, I would say, less than impressive. Severino's not only solidified his spot in the Yankees rotation, but I think he's now solidified himself as a standard mixed-league option. Uh, so really quite a nice beginning to the season for for Severino. Of course, we have to say the same for James Paxton. Seven shutout innings uh, on Wednesday uh, with nine strikeouts, one walk. Uh, only four hits allowed, so Paxton just continues to dominate. Uh, his previous start, not uh, you know his best one of the year, but uh, Paxton still with a tidy one point three nine ERA after those seven scoreless innings and a perfect three and zero record. So, uh, Paxton, I think you know there's certainly greater expectations for him coming into the year than there were for Luis Severino. But you, you know he was still he was a sleeper. He was not well, not somebody that you know people were assuming was was going to be a number one or number two starter. He certainly has pitched like that. I would say has pitched like a number one starter through the beginning of this year. And unlike a lot of other starters, uh, I will say uh, Irvin Santana comes to mind. Hector Santiago, not to just pick on the Twins here, but those are two that come to mind where they've got great numbers. But uh, I, I remain skeptical. But Paxton is just backing up the low ERA and the great record with um, just dominant performances from all angles. So uh, Paxton really living up to the preseason hype. Jose Quintana... I thought he was maybe a little overhyped, uh, it, which is strange because Quintana is not a guy, you know, he's not a young pitcher. He's not one with, uh, you know, who had last year, these, you know, incredible peripherals, you know, where you saw a huge raise in value, but Quintana just seemed to be uh, in everybody's rankings or tiers or what have you Seemed to be kind of a consensus. Number three, maybe even low end number two starter. And, uh, Last year, Quintana, I mean, the the overall results were good. He did strand a lot of runners, and I think that that masked the fact that he wasn't quite as good at avoiding hard contact. That had been the trend this year up until this start against the Royals, but a really, really nice start for Quintana against the Royals. Six innings, two runs allowed, five hits, uh, and of those two runs, by the way, only one was earned. Two walks and ten strikeouts. Now, it's not that long ago that we remember that, The Royals were a team you sort of feared when your pitcher went up against them uh, for fancy purposes because they just didn't strike out. But that's not really the case so much anymore, and Quintana is certainly showing that with the 10K performance on Wednesday. Vince Velasquez, not an overwhelming line, but I do think it's worth mentioning because uh, he's had a rough start to the season. There were also some interesting stories about Velasquez. Back in spring training where he was getting advice from the staff, uh, from the Phillies, and uh, not taking all of the advice. And, uh, you know, so when he got off to a rough start, I think that raised some some more questions about Velasquez. But a nice start against the Marlins in that series opener uh, in Philadelphia. Six and a third innings for Velasquez. Six hits allowed, three runs. So it's a quality start, two walks. The number here that's uh, got to be a disappointment to his owners, three strikeouts, because it's, it's really the inverse for Velasquez usually. that You're not sure if he's going to walk everybody. You're not sure how many runs he's going to give up, if he's going to make it six innings. But you know he's going to give you strikeouts. Only three strikeouts against the Marlins. So uh, that this is kind of a long-term project with Velasquez. We'll see how he adjusts. But I take it as a positive sign that he went deeper into this game and put up a quality start. So if you're a Velasquez owner, uh, I do think you should be encouraged. Dylan Bundy is having kind of a weird season so far. A nice start uh, versus the Rays on Wednesday, six in the 3rd. Just four hits, only two runs, two walks, and only three strikeouts for Bundy. So, is Bundy. so sort of a similar situation there where you figure Bundy's going to give you strikeouts. Maybe he's going to give up the long ball. Didn't work that way in this start against the Rays, and so now his strikeout rate for the year, uh, strikeouts per nine, is just six point three. Um, but uh, he's getting a lot of swings, so it's not that that Bundy's getting, uh, you know, you're getting uh, allowing a lot, uh, not allowing, I should say, a lot of swings and misses. It's just that he's just getting a lot of swings overall. So he's not getting the called strikes. So that, that more so than the whiff rate is muting Bundy's K rate. But he's also getting some help from an 89% strand rate. But the, you know, the indicators are kind of all over the place. So you might look at that and say, well, he's not striking guys out. He's not going to be able to maintain that strand rate. Maybe I should sell Bundy. But what he's really excelled at is not giving up the hard contact, which is, again, just the opposite of what you might have expected from the fly ball leaning Dylan Bundy coming into the year. 24% hard contact rate. So I don't know what to make of this. Uh, I'm not looking to, you know, necessarily buy low because of the strikeouts. But, um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see how this season pans out for Bundy because he's clearly not the pitcher he was last year. And I, I do mean that in a good way. Um, and one more pitcher, I think, who's really been overlooked, Matt Shoemaker, only went five innings against the A's, but just two runs allowed, uh, on seven hits and two walks, six strikeouts, and, uh, he is getting, as he did last year, a lot of, uh, a lot of swings and misses, uh, just a 4-7-3 ERA, uh, high walk rate, but he's been throwing strikes, so I think Shoemaker is a terrific buy-low candidate right now, um, So uh, that's it in terms of the good pitching performances. uh, I did want to make note that Robert Gisellman, not a a great start yesterday. Uh, We'll talk about that more a little later on in the show. We've got to head to break, but when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Emily Walden of 2080 Baseball. So stick around. We're going to have some great Tiger talk in just a couple minutes. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And joining me now from 2080 Baseball to talk some Tigers with us all is Emily Walden. Emily, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, Great great to have you here. and now, where where can we find you? Where can we find you on Twitter? And uh, I think, uh, if I recall, you've got your own blog. So, where other than Twenty Eight Baseball, uh, where are some places we can we can find you?
1: Yes, my Twitter handle is just my first and last name, so Emily Walden, and that's Walden with an L, two zero eight zero. So Emily Walden Twenty Eighty.
0: All right. Uh, Fantastic. Well, uh, Emily uh, writes a a lot about prospects and uh, particularly about Tigers prospects. And we did get a couple of questions from Twitter. So before we uh, get into some other things, and actually, these questions cover a lot of what I wanted to ask you about anyway, Emily. So uh, we're going to give people what they want. Uh, From at Nick E. Kroll, he wants to know, what are your thoughts on the future of Kyle Funkhauser, Joe Jimenez, uh, and other prospect pitchers for the Tigers? Are there any future just Verlanders in the wings waiting so that's you know that's a that's a pretty high bar there but uh what what do we have in in the tigers uh, pitching prospects
1: yeah that's definitely a very high bar no question uh, you look at Justin's age and the fact that he's still being as effective as he is this year is Really an incredible accomplishment. But I would say as far as looking at a rotation spot, I think Kyle Funkhauser is in a really good position to develop into that eventually. Um, He's a little bit higher up on the age bracket. He's in Class A West Michigan right now. Um, Put out 20-plus strikeouts over just a handful of starts. Really very effective. Um, One of his concerns coming out of Louisville was a drop in his velocity struggled with some command in his senior year, but he's really settled in. And so I think the Tigers kind of having him on a little bit of a slower rise to the top, I think will be beneficial just to help him build more confidence and see what he can accomplish at that level
0: uh and uh what about uh, now he kind of you know is mixing in a few things here he's asking about joe Jim- jimenez uh you know who uh, is certainly on the minds of a lot of fantasy owners uh you know looking at the struggles of francisco rodriguez um but also you know in terms of other prospect arms i mean i know there aren't a lot of high-end ones at the upper levels but uh you know for example somebody like tyler alexander uh is he somebody maybe who could uh, fill a spot this year
1: you know, Tyler is definitely an interesting option. Um, he's not a high-velocity guy. His fastball tops out at about 92, 93. Um, so doesn't really have that plus material to work with. But the thing about Tyler is that he's a very smart pitcher. Um, he knows how to work with what he has. And I think that that level of intellect, especially as he continues to advance up into more consistency with the AA level, if he's able to really master AA hitters, um, I think that he definitely has a very decent shot to come up there because he's he's really made some good progress so far. And then with Joe Jimenez, um, I think his work speaks for himself. He's got, you know, close to an elite fastball. He pushes 98, 99 miles an hour. I've seen him throw 100 on multiple occasions. So the velocity is there, and I think really for him, it's just a matter of developing the stuff. The stuff that's already there, he's got one of the most disgusting sliders I've seen in the longest time and I mean hitters can tell you like it's, it's a scary pitch <laughs> it's one of those things that you really don't want to come up against when you're at the plate so for Joe I think it's just a matter of him being put in those game situations that are going to stretch him they're going to develop him and I think he is definitely going to really contribute to a really high level for the Tigers.
0: So how high of a level do you think he's going to be in the ninth inning? Uh, How how do you see that situation playing out? Because it just seems like Rodriguez just has the world's longest leash. And, uh, you know, and then I would think that, you know, Justin Wilson might get a crack before Jimenez. But how do you see that all playing out?
1: Yeah, you know, the thing about Rodriguez, he's the type of person that he has shown to be effective on and off of the Tigers, but unfortunately with that system, they really don't have much margin for error. Um, they've been in a position where they've had some, some very promising potential, but unfortunately a mix of injury and just inconsistency has really kind of shot them in the foot. And so I think having options, obviously the Wilsons um, have done an incredible job out of the pen. I feel like they've probably been the most consistent across the board as far as the arms that the Tigers have to work with. Um, I definitely see Joe headed for that position. I think he is still a little ways away from having that full responsibility on his shoulders. He's just 22. Um, He's really got a good idea of what he needs to work with, but I think he's well on his way there, and I think the Wilsons could still really be a strong contribution to them, too.
0: Well, let's uh, go back to the the starters for a moment because you know a lot of people are focused on that uh, K. Rod situation, and and trying to figure out exactly how vulnerable his position might be, but I, I think that that Tigers rotation you know there, there's opportunities there and it, it it is unfortunate that they don't have you know great talent at the upper levels I mean you've got Buck farmer who's been you know kicking around for a few years and um, I trying to remember Oh uh, Verhagen who I think you just uh, recently uh, were writing about um, but uh, well before we address some of those uh, minor leaguers I mean, how long do you think that Brad Osmus is going to stick with uh, Matt Boyd or uh, you know, I mean, even Jordan Zimmerman? I mean, I don't think for the money they're paying him, he's going to lose his spot. But uh, the, the performance has been underwhelming so far. So where do you see opportunities for somebody to come up and actually join the rotation?
1: You know, the thing with Matt Boyd specifically, um, I really think he is still on track to have a good showing this year. And I think he is still relatively young in comparison to some of the other pitchers. And so there may just be a little bit of a kink he needs to iron out. But he has shown some really promising stuff for this year. Uh, Drew Verhagen, who is very, very encouraging, considering he just came out of the uh, thoracic outlet surgery, I want to say last year, which is a surgery that can really knock a lot of guys out. Um, Kevin Zomak, another one of the Tigers' former prospects, actually made the decision to retire, and he was another one who had gone through that same procedure. So it's one that can either make you or break you. And the thing with uh, Drew Verhagen, he's shown that he can be consistent. And I think the biggest question that's been on people's minds, can he be consistent at the major league level in a starter role? Um, In my opinion, I think he is of more value to them out of the bullpen at the major league level. Um, I think that that's something that he has proven. He can work a couple of innings in relief, do a really good job, Hold the opposition, and he just got some incredible stuff to work with. I spoke with him at spring training. He said he's feeling incredible, um, had a big old smile on his face. And so I think that's a very promising sign for the Tigers. Um, and with Buck Farmer, I think the biggest thing for him, they just have to decide where they want him. Um, I can't think of another pitcher who has been flipped from starter to bullpen more than he has. Um, There were jokes that they were going to name the highway between Detroit and Toledo after Buck (laughs) Farmer because he was making so many trips back and forth. Obviously not his preference, but, (laughs) you know, you're kind of at the mercy of what the clubs need. And so Buck has some really, really effective stuff. But I think something people underestimate is the mental transition that these guys have to go through when they switch from the pen to a starting position. So for him, he needs consistency. I think that would work in his favor, and he could definitely still contribute to the Tigers in the future.
0: Well, that'd be cool to be, you know, tooling down I seventy five, the the Buck Farmer Expressway. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe they can name a rest stop in in Monroe after him or, or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's get back to the questions because uh, we, we do have a couple others. And also from Nick uh, Nikki e. Kroll, um, who's the one prospect back we should keep our eyes on and. Uh, I'm gonna throw an, a name out there just because it's. It, I'll, I'll just full disclosure. It's somebody I own in a Dynasty League, and he's had a really interesting year so far. And that's Kristen Stewart. So um, Stewart and and you know anybody else that uh, you know you think we should be keeping an eye on both in Dynasty formats and and maybe even for a call up later this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you really can't deny Stewart once you've seen him at the plate and hitting one of those famous, just absolutely destructive home runs that he has the ability to hit. Stewart is his absolute raw power. Um, The Tigers knew that when they first picked him up from Tennessee, he has done an incredible job, hit 30 home runs between high A and double A last year, and I think really the biggest thing for him is just learning how to master double A pitching. Um, He's shown a little bit of a struggle against some of the secondary stuff at that level, but I can see that he's becoming a lot more patient at the plate. I think his uh, strikeout rate has dropped, if I remember correctly, for this year. And so for him, I think it's a sign that he is maturing. I think he's kind of pacing himself a bit more. And if he can stay on track, the biggest concern that the Tigers are looking at is just really seeing him be able to get to at least an average play defensively. Um, I don't believe he was signed to be an outstanding defender. Um, He ranks a little bit low on some of those marks. But because of the fact that he's so incredibly effective at the plate, I think he's well on his way to possibly even seeing Toledo this year if everything can stay on track. So he's somebody who's very, very interesting. And when you watch those home runs, I mean, it's it's hard to not picture him getting to move up eventually because he's just absolutely destructive.
0: Yeah, I mean he's got great power. He's also, uh, in the past really pulled the ball a lot and you mentioned the lower strikeout rate and also the pull rate's fallen. So there definitely seems to be some some adjusting in a good way going on uh for Stewart. So I, I think it'd be fair to say then that Kristen Stewart is nowhere near the twilight of his career. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: I like what you did there. I like that. I, uh,
0: I've been, been holding <laughs> that one in for a long time, so thank you for giving me yeah, the opportunity. I, I, think
1: that he, <laughs> <laughs> I think that he, he's headed in a really good direction there. I was going to say, another guy that, if, if people have been following some of my stuff on Twitter, they know that I've had my eye on him for a while, is the uh, the transition of Anthony um, uh, which has been a very, very interesting route that he's taken moving from the outfield to starting to develop into a bullpen arm. Um, He's down in extended spring training right now. He's been throwing um, pretty well. They've had him throw an inning or two here or there. He's been clocked again up to, you know, 96, 97 miles an hour on his fastball. And what a lot of people don't know, he's a former pitcher. He was a pitcher in high school. Um, He had scouts looking at him. I want to say his senior year was back in 2008, I believe, and ended up coming up as an outfielder. So he's obviously got the speed. He has an absolute cannon for an arm. And I think because of the position the Tiger system is in, they really can't do much worse than what they have right now. (laughs) So I think that gives them a chance to kind of do a little bit of trial on some of these guys. And um, Anthony is an incredible athlete. He's just got an absolute natural talent. And so I think that he's really headed in uh, an interesting direction this year.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really cool story. So we got one more question to get to. We've got less than a minute before break, uh, Emily. So uh, Stephen Moya, this is from at Jomo84. Is Stephen Moya still in the team's plans?
1: You know, Stephen Moya is somebody that everybody wants to see succeed. The biggest challenge for him is going to get that strikeout rate down. He's up to 40%. He's got to get that down. And if he wants to continue to move forward, it's going to have to be an absolute for him this season.
0: All right, so watch that. And, and, Emily, thank you so much for joining us. Wish I could have you on longer. Maybe we'll have you on again sometime. Uh, Emily Walden, check her out at 2080 Baseball. Uh, have a, a great rest of the day, Emily. Thanks again.
1: Thanks so much, Al.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melpure and I'd like to thank again uh, Emily Walden for joining us in the last segment. Uh, Emily from 2080 uh, Baseball. Uh, so uh, hopefully uh, uh, you got your, your fix of uh, Tiger news there and uh, prospect reports and all that uh, good stuff. Uh, so uh, before we get on to some of the other standout performances from Wednesday's game, quick note about rotoexperts.com's exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver-wire wizard and learn to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They'll help you set the ideal lineups every week, and this season you'll also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, powered by insideinjuries.com. So go Go get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout for a special discount. And I uh, did promise we'd talk about some of the other uh, performances, uh, the hitter performances, talk about some of the closer performances, uh, but I was remiss uh, in the first segment uh, that I did not talk about the Shelby Miller uh, situation there at the Diamondbacks, uh, according to FanRag's Tommy Stocki, uh Miller's got a ligament issue and he may need Tommy John surgery. In fact, he's gone for a third opinion on this. So it does not look good uh, for uh for Shelby Miller. Now um, the D-backs had Zach Godley up uh for last night's game, but uh then Godley got sent back down. So there's really there's a situation in flux there. And kind of at the uh I know, the the the, bullcrum, uh, the tipping point there is, is Archie Bradley because he, he had a sensational, and yet another sensational performance out of the bullpen, a multi-inning one, three innings, one run allowed, uh, five strikeouts. So Bradley's just been really good, just an entirely different, better pitcher out of the bullpen, sort of uh, the Arizona answer to, to Chris Davensky. So on the one hand, uh, you had Fernando Rodney with a, an absolute meltdown, but then you've also got what appears to be uh, it's going to be a long-term opening in the rotation. Uh, I don't. I would suspect that Bradley will stay where he is in that Davinsky role because he's been really valuable there, but. Um, you know, it looks like the Diamondbacks may need a starter, and they may need a new closer. So uh, we'll, we'll keep tabs on, on that entire situation. Uh, but going uh, to last night's action, uh, some of the more noteworthy hitting performances, the, uh, the Rangers really uh, uh, beat up on the, the Twins. And so you had several Rangers in the lineup with, with uh, impressive stat lines. Shinsu Chu, with a three-hit game, hit his second home run of the season and also tripled in that game. I think Chu's been overlooked. uh, And he may continue to be overlooked just because uh, he's missed so much time with injuries over the years that it's hard to know exactly uh, what you'll get from Chu. But he certainly seems to be heating up and and took part in that uh, offensive explosion uh, against the Twins. Uh, But also in that game, Ryan Rua with a two-hit game and hit his first home run of the season – and Rua, uh, just uh, within the last couple of days, was announced by manager Jeff Bannister that Rua's going to be the regular in left field there. Now, he played first base in this game because there was some shuffling around. Nomar Mazzara did not start in that game against the Twins. So I you know, I don't know that you're going to see Rua and Delano De Shields in the same lineup at the same time a lot because Mazzara was out. But last night both played, and Shields also had a two-hit game. And on top of the two hits... He had three walks and stole two bases. So he's now up to four stolen bases on the season. So that may have generated some excitement for DeShields. But uh, given that Rua, again, has just been anointed as the left fielder there and Mazzara was just taking a day off, uh, I would definitely uh, pump the brakes on, on DeShields for now. Uh, you know, I think that could be a fluid situation. I mean, who knows how long Rua may you know be an everyday uh, player. But uh, I, you know, I, I liked Rua, and I actually I remember saying on this show back in you know, probably March that I was rooting for him to win that job uh, in left field over Jerks and Profar. So you know, three and a half weeks late, he, he's now getting the chance. Uh, so I, I like Rua as uh, somebody that you could use in, you know, say, a, a 15-team mixed league. And as for DeShields, I, I would wait on that one. Uh Michael Franco had a very very nice game on Friday or I'm sorry on Wednesday uh, against the Marlins 3-4 with the home run. Uh, and yet he's still batting Even with those three hits he was batting 203 at the uh end of that game. And I'm not sure where he's at uh with the uh, Phillies playing the Marlins right now this afternoon. But uh you know all the indications for Franco are really really positive so far. Now the home run that he hit that was his fourth uh, of the year. But uh, he's, uh, like I say, he's banged 203, but his strikeouts are down. So he is absolutely being punished for what's going on with balls in play. A 180 BABIP, but the high, con- uh, hard contact rate rather is up. The line drive rate is up. Uh, everything just seems to point in the opposite direction for Franco to be a good hitter on balls in play. And uh, it, it hasn't worked out yet. So. Uh, You know, I'd have to say Franco right now is looking like a prime buy low target if you're not happy with your third base situation, which may not be the case because there's an awful lot of good productive third baseman out there. But Franco is is somebody, uh, you know, even if you like your third base situation. I just like the value for Franco. You might be able to get him very cheaply, and then you can figure out what to do with your your two-third baseman or your three-corner infielders or whatever your logjam is that you might create if you traded for Michael Franco. Uh, Tim Beckham, three for five uh, for the Rays uh, last night with two home runs off of Dylan Bundy. So we talked about Bundy earlier on the show and talked about how you, you expect him to give up home runs, but... You know, maybe be okay anyway because of the strikeouts, and yet the strikeouts haven't been there for Bundy. Uh, so the home runs last night off of Bundy, courtesy of Tim Beckham. He's now batting two eighty and with those two home runs, he has four home runs. So a nice stat line for Tim Beckham. But uh, you know, aside from the fact that you know we don't know exactly how long he's going to have a starting role there uh, because he's he's been filling in for Matt Duffy. Uh, he is a very very pull heavy hitter has been over his career. So while the power, you know, if you if you need home runs, maybe Beckham's a cheap source there, at least in the short term. But that 280 average, I just don't see that lasting. Uh, between uh, the strikeouts for Beckham and the tendency to pull uh, a lot of his balls, uh, you know, uh, pull. Him, uh, uh, I think that's going to hurt his batting average. So, uh, you know, Beckham, the, I think he could have him for the power, but I wouldn't wouldn't get too excited beyond that. Neander Alonso, there was a little bit of stirring about him in spring training, about him being a, a renewed hitter with, with more power. And it's really come to bear in the regular season so far. He had his fourth home run and a two-for-four performance, uh, also joined by Matt Joyce, two-for-four with a home run. So Alonzo now up to four home runs, Joyce with two home runs on the season. Uh, So Alonzo's been hitting for average. Uh, You you pretty much expect that from him. Matt Joyce still scuffling in terms of batting average, but seems to be coming around. And Joyce uh, had a very, very nice season in a much more limited role last year with the Pirates. So he might be somebody to keep an eye on in those 14-15 team mixed leagues. Uh, I don't know they necessarily have to stash him right now, but put him on your watch list. Yonder Alonzo, if he's available in those formats, absolutely need to get him right now. Uh, Because it looks like all of the hype around Alonzo in the spring uh, was was merited. Christian Arroyo, uh, in very short order, now has a Major League home run. Uh, Just called up by the Giants the other day. So uh, he's got his first uh, Major League home run. uh, And uh, he'll be there every day, pretty much, for the Giants at third base. So um, I don't think that Arroyo is anywhere on the level of, say, a Clay Bellinger. But uh, again, it's the same kinds of formats where you would own a Yonder Alonso or maybe a Matt Joyce. Christian Arroyo, I think he, he's an interesting streaming option. I don't like the fact that he's going to play home games in AT&T Park. His minor league numbers don't look that great, but he's played in tough hitters environments uh, there as well. But Arroyo, I think, has more power than you might expect looking at those minor league numbers. So I could see... Stashing Arroyo in a deeper mixed league, and then you actually get him in your active roster when the Giants get out of AT&T Park, which is, you know, the case for probably a few players in that roster. I'd say Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt. Uh, they're, they're in that, uh, you know, they're they're shallower league options than Christian Arroyo is. But also, you don't always necessarily want to start those guys during home stands either. And going to the opposite type of environment, Coors Field, the Nationals had a big, big night there. Uh, Bryce Harper with a four-hit game, Trey Turner and Ryan Zimmerman with three hits apiece. So um, nothing terribly surprising in any of that. If there is one, maybe it's Ryan Zimmerman, but he just continues to hit and hit. So uh, with each passing game, he seems to be more and more legitimate as a 12-team mixed-league option. So, uh, you know, that's certainly... Uh, you know, again, no big surprises there. But Harper uh, right now, one of the top producers in all of fantasy. So certainly in quick order, making us forget about what, what happened last season. Uh, well, as I promised, we uh, figured we'd talk about some of the uh, closer situations. I mentioned Fernando Rodney gave up uh, a three-run home run to Ryan Schimpf in that game against the Padres. Padres you know, came from behind against Rodney and took that game. Uh, so that's that's a you know you figure it's just a matter of time before Fernando Rodney loses that job. I think a lot of us were questioning why Rodney, was even given the job in the first place, given the struggles he had late last season with the Marlins, and and you know he's been really he's had an up and down career. So he had a fantastic season with the Rays a few years back, and then a couple of years where he really struggled with control, and then last year really revived himself in that half season with the Padres. So you know I suppose if if you're being an optimist, you know you could have looked at at uh, Rodney, you know, and saw that he converted his first six saves this year, and said, oh, you know maybe maybe it's another upswing. For Rodney, but you know, then we saw the bad side last night uh against the Giants. So um or I'm sorry, it's the Padres. Uh, so there's no clear successor there. We talked about Archie Bradley a little bit earlier in the show. He's just really been valuable to the Diamondbacks in that long relief uh in that long relief role. And yet he has been pitching the seventh and pitching the eighth. And so by that criterion, he would be somebody to consider uh, as a, you know, a target of speculation for saves. But at the same time, Jorge De La Rosa has also pitched in those innings and, and pitched pretty well. And so has J.J. Hoover. So, I, in fact, I, from what I, I've seen on social media, it seems like Hoover is sort of the favorite speculation target. But, you know, a deeper leagues... You, You do have to – I think it makes sense to speculate on somebody who has even a remote chance of saves. So if that's that's your case and it's a deeper league and existing save sources just aren't available, then I think Hoover is the guy to target. But if he's not there, then it's really, I think, a choice between Bradley and just say, you know what? He's going to probably give me some really nice peripherals. Maybe he even becomes a starter. So maybe I just get something out of Bradley. Uh, I would say, you know, depending on your situation, that might be the first move you make. And, you know, and I said somewhere in there, you know, De La Rosa, if, if both Bradley and Hoover are gone, it, it's probably a long shot. But uh, uh, Jorge De La Rosa, I think, uh, has a shot maybe at closing out games for the Diamondbacks. We've certainly seen stranger things. Uh, Alex Colome did not have a good outing Wednesday night uh, for the Rays. And... Uh, this was against the Orioles, and uh, he didn't blow the save. He came in uh, in a tie situation. But um, he really just has not been getting the, the swings and misses so far this year. So even though the two runs that Calme gave up, are in fact the first two earned runs he's allowed this year and on the surface, his stats look all right. He's not been getting the strikeouts. He's in, in supporting that. He's not been getting the whiffs. Uh, so I do have some concern for Alex Calme, and may, maybe the— Maybe the best thing in terms of his fantasy value is that there's not, not really a clear successor there in Tampa Bay. Uh, Danny Farquhar, in terms of usage, has probably been the most uh, uh, reasonable target to speculate on. But you know, Farquhar came in and he, he walked in the, the winning run. So, uh, you know, I, I would hold tight with column eight, but it is a situation that uh, I, th- I think does merit some, some watching there. And uh, just real quickly, uh, I mentioned Raulds Chapman. Velocity down in that game against the Red Sox. Narrowly escaped a blown save. I don't think there's much there, but uh, maybe we can watch him a little bit more. So anyhow, we're gonna head to the final break here. Stick around. We will be right back. Welcome back everyone to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And just a quick uh, programming note, we will be back here again tomorrow, same time, 3 Eastern. And a very special guest tomorrow, we're going to have John Heyman from FanRag on and uh, ask him about uh, what's going on around the major leagues. Uh, He writes the uh, inside baseball column for uh, for FanRag and uh, certainly want to ask him about uh, the Mets situation in terms of where Michael Conforto fits in and and maybe what they do about the uh, rotation. So uh, looking forward to that tomorrow with John Heyman. Uh, quick look in on uh, some of the current action. The Mets, uh, in fact, uh, still down to the Braves, 7-3. to Marlins are making a game of it in Philadelphia. It's 3-2 there. Uh, Justin Verlander, very nice start against the Mariners, but he's actually down 1-0, uh, currently getting out by Asashi Iwakuma. And uh, the Blue Jays up 4 nothing on the Cardinals. Not a bad start for uh, Carlos Martinez, but who's uh, putting up those goose eggs for the uh, Blue Jays? None other than Matt Latos. That is interesting. So uh, Latos, uh, six uh, scoreless innings, just three hits allowed in that one. Four strikeouts. Uh, Nationals beating the Rockies right now 2-1, to one, but they've got a lot of uh, reserves in that lineup today on a, on a day game. And uh, Dodgers and Giants just underway, uh, one nothing there for the Dodgers. And uh, again, as mentioned earlier, uh, this is the 2017 debut for Julio Urias. So uh, we'll see how how that goes. And just to wind up here, I had teased a little earlier talking about Robert Giselman. I just want to leave you here with a quote from Terry Collins. Gisellman, uh last night, only four innings, 10 hits allowed, six runs, five earned. Collins said, hopefully there's nothing wrong physically because the sinker velocity was down uh, below 90. So, uh, you know, if we're getting a lot of questions about Gisellman, that's a situation that we certainly need to keep our eyes on. Uh, in terms of his status going forward, and you know whether or not uh, he's gonna you know be all right uh because he's you know, certainly the Mets rotation right now, there's some question marks there, so uh sorry to start the show and end the show on a down note for the Mets uh but uh, lots of good stuff in between and uh hope again that you will join us uh for tomorrow's show with with uh, john Heyman. so uh we're we're looking forward to that. And uh, with just a little bit of time left to go, uh, just a quick look at uh, lineups. Uh, the Red Sox lineup is out. Dustin Pedroya back, leading off and starting at second base. So good news there for Pedroia. And, uh, you know, still a few lineups out there uh, for the remainder uh, of the night schedule. Uh, Blue uh got uh, it's actually the nightcap of uh, Blue Jays Cardinals and then uh, Padres Diamondbacks and the A's and the Angels. So keep your eyes out for that. So thank you very much for joining me. And again, uh, thanks once more to Emily Walden from 2080 Baseball for joining me today. Uh, Hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Again, same time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy the day baseball. Enjoy the night baseball. Have a great day. See you soon.